Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. In Parshas Miketz, we read of the following events. Yosef, who has been sold into slavery in Egypt, miraculously becomes the viceroy of Egypt. Because of a famine in Eretz Canaan, Yaakov's sons go to Egypt to buy food. They all go, except for the youngest, Binyamin, who stays at home with his father, Yaakov. The viceroy, Yosef, recognizes his brothers, but they don't recognize him. And he decides to play tough with those who had sold him into slavery. His true intent is a topic for a separate discussion. Eventually, Yosef told the brothers that he is holding one of them, Shimon, as a hostage, and that they should go back to Canaan, and they should not return to Mitzrayim unless they are willing to bring with them their youngest brother, Binyamin. Yaakov of, uh, Yosef, of course, wanted to meet with Binyamin, who is his only full brother. The brothers return to Eretz Canaan, and he refuses to send Binyamin with the brothers back to Egypt. And then we come to a very interesting exchange between Ruvain, the oldest of the brothers, and the father, Yaakov. In Perak Mem Base, Pasig Lamed Zion, we read, Ruvain said to his father as follows, My two sons you may kill if I don't bring Binyamin back to you. Give Binyamin under to my hand, put him under my care, and I will return him to you. And he said, Yaakov replied to Ruvain, Lo My son, Binyamin, will not go down to Mitzrayim with you. Because his brother has died, Yaakov was under the belief, the mistaken belief, that Yosef had died. And he alone is left over from my beloved wife, Rachel, meaning Binyamin is the only one left over, and if a catastrophe should occur to him along the way, along the way on which you will go, you will bring down my old age to the grave in sorrow. Rashi explains as follows, why exactly did Yaakov say, Lo yered b'ni imachem. Says Rashi, Lekibel dvorov shel Ruvain. He did not accept Ruvain's words. Ruvain made an offer. He said, I'll show you how serious I am about keeping my eye on Binyamin and making sure that he comes back to you. If I don't do it, you may kill two of my two, my two sons. But Yaakov did not accept this. Omar, Yaakov said, Bechor This Ruvain is a Bechor Shaita. He is a foolish firstborn. Hu Emer Lahamis Banov. He is saying 
he is talking about killing his children. And that's the guarantee. That's his, the proof of his seriousness. Are they his children and not mine? He's offering them up to be killed. Doesn't he realize they're my children also? As we find in many places that our Chachamim say, that the children of one's children, one's grandchildren, are in many respects considered just like one's children. And therefore Yaakov said, I can't accept this proposition because I cannot accept the possibility I cannot even consider the possibility of killing my own grandchildren who are like my own children. Now, the question that has to be raised about this Rashi is as follows. We can understand that for this reason or for some other reason that Yaakov did not accept this proposal. But why did he have to call Ruvain a Bechor Shaita? Why did he have to insult him? Why did he have to use what we would call an ad hominem attack? Why did he attack the person rather than the argument, rather than the proposal? Even if we will say that the words Bechor Shaita don't mean a stupid or mentally incompetent firstborn, but rather they mean like what the Gemara says in Mesech the Sukkah, Daf Lamed Beis Amid Beis, the Gemara talks about something called a Hadas Shaita. Together with the Lula of the Esreg, the Arava, a person has to have Hadasim, three branches of myrtle. And the Gemara says that these have to be a very special kind of myrtle branches. They have to have along the length of the whole stem, or at least a certain amount along the whole stem, they have to have, one after the other, three leaves that grow out of the same bud or out of the same spot along the branch. This is called a hadas meshulish. And the Gemara uses the words, the Gemara says, that if it doesn't have this, if you have two leaves here, but one leaf over there, and two leaves there, and one leaf over here, if they are not lined up in the proper way. So the Gemara calls it Hadas Shaita. So we see there, Shaita does not mean stupid or mentally incompetent or insane. Hadas cannot be sane or insane, but it means improper, bogus, shall we say. Now, even if we'll say that that's the meaning over here in Rashi, that Yaakov said to Ruvain, Yaakov said regarding Ruvain, he's a Bechor Shaita. He's a bogus Bechor. He's an improper Bechor. But still, what does this have to do with his Bechora? If Ruvain made a proposal that Yaakov could not accept, in which Yaakov felt is not a sensible proposal, then let him say so. Let him say it's not a good proposal. What does this have to do with Ruvain being a Bechor, fully a Bechor, not really a Bechor, a improper sort of Bechor? It seems to be an extraneous point that is being made. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, Zechrenu Devracha, in his Sefer on Chumash, Emes the Yaakov, suggests that in fact the proper translation of Bechor Shaita 
is not that Reuven was a mentally incompetent Bechor, but rather that he is in some way less than a full Bechor. And Rav Yaakov explains this by invoking the Pasek in Parshas Vayishlach, where we read that Reuven committed a very serious sin. It says in Parshas Vayishlach, Pasek Perak Lamed Hey, Pasek Chav Beis, Vayelech Reuven Vayishkav es Bilha Pilegesh Oviv, that Reuven went and literally he lay, he had relations with Bilha, the concubine of his father, one of his father's wives. Now, we know that Rashi there says he did not literally have relations with her. Rather, this event took place after Reuven's mother, uh, Leah, after Rachel uh, passed away, and Reuven felt that after Rachel passed away, Yaakov should move his tent into the, should move his bed into the tent belonging to his mother, Leah. But instead, Yaakov moved his tent into the, moved his bed into the tent of Bilha, who was the maidservant of his favorite wife, Rachel. And therefore, uh, Reuven uh, got involved. He put himself into this situation and he uh, moved the bed, he moved Yaakov's bed into the tent of his own mother, Leah. Look there in Rashi. In any case, it says in Sefer Divra Hayomim, Aleph, Perak Hay, Pasuk Aleph, it mentions Ruvain, and it says, Ruvain Bechor Yisrael, Ruvain, the firstborn of Yisrael, of Yaakov, Kihu HaBechor, because he is the firstborn, but because he profaned the, the sheets of his father, because he uh, got involved with his father's bed in an inappropriate way, his Bechoira, his status as the firstborn, was given instead to the children of Yosef. Now there are various discussions in exactly what, what sense regarding which particular halacha was the Bechorah taken from Ruvain and given to Yosef. We're not going to, going to go into those details now. But we see from this Pasuk in Divrei Yomim that in some way, because of Ruvain's sin, because of his misdeed regarding uh, the bed of Yaakov, his Bechorah status, his status as firstborn, was to some extent taken away from him and given to Yosef. And so Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky suggests that this is why Yaakov, when he disagreed with Ruvain about something, he referred to him as Bechor Shaita. You're a, just like a hadas that doesn't have those triple leaves lined up properly, is called a hadas Shaita. It's a improper hadas. So you, Ruvain, you're an improper Bechor. You're, you are the Bechor, but you're not really the Bechor, because your Bechor, at least to some extent, was taken away to you, taken away from you, and given to the children of Yosef. Uh, with all due respect for the great Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, I would like to 
say that I don't think this really answers the question because it still doesn't explain what does this expression of Bechor Shaita have to do with the narrative which we are now dealing. We have here a narrative in which Ruvain offers to guarantee the return of Binyamin back to his father by saying that Yaakov may kill Ruvain's sons if he does not bring back Binyamin. And Yaakov responds, you're a Bechor Shaita. You're not really a Bechor. What has that got to do with it? That again is just seems to be a personal attack. Even if Reuven was the full-fledged Bechor and had never sinned, but Yaakov would have agreed with this proposal. So why does Yaakov attack him by saying, you're not the real Bechor? I believe that we can understand this Rashi properly as follows. The Sefer Meshechachma on Parsha Shemais explains why a Bechor is something special. What is the special quality of a firstborn son? Why is that so special? Why does a firstborn son get an extra, extra portion of the father's uh, inheritance? Why is, that, why is it so important to be the firstborn? And uh, Rameya Simcha, the author of Meshechachma, is referring to the Pasuk in Shemais, Perek Dalet, Pasuk Chav Beis, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Paro through the agency of Moshe, B'ni v'choyri Yisrael. Yisrael, the Jewish nation, is my ben Bechor. And Rav Simcha explains that the reason that a firstborn child is special, the reason that a firstborn son gets an extra portion of Yerusha, is because he made the father into a father. A man, until he has children, obviously, by definition, he is not a father. When his first child is born, he now reaches that great level. He has now merited that wonderful title. He is now a father. Although he may have many other children, many children later on, but he's already a father. There's something very special about becoming a father the first time. And the honor of doing that goes, to, of course, to the Bechor, to the firstborn. And in a sense, Rameir explains, Rameir Simcha explains, this is what Klal Yisrael did for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Until Klal Yisrael came along, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not have, so to speak, a nation who were all his sons, who were all dedicated to his service. When Klal Yisrael came into existence, and when Klal Yisrael accepted HaKadosh Baruch Hu as their God, so then, so to speak, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kaviyochel, HaKadosh Baruch Hu became a father. Now, based on these words of the Meshachachma, we can say as follows. If a firstborn son respects his father, if he recognizes the chashivos, the importance, the significance of being a father, and he respects his father. So then that firstborn son is, not only according to the letter of the law, a bechor, but even according to the spirit of the law. He is a full-fledged bechor. 
However, if a firstborn son does not respect his father properly, he does not show through his actions and his words that he thinks that being a father is very important. He spits at his father, he kicks his father, and so he is showing by his actions that being a father is not very important. If he does that, he is taking away, he is subtracting, at least according to the spirit of the law, from his own importance as a Bechor. Because, as Rabbi Simcha explains, the whole chashivus, the whole significance of being a Bechor, is because you made your father into a father. But what if you show through your actions that being a father is not important? You don't respect your father. You don't feel that being someone's father is, is really a matter of any significance. So then you are really somewhat less than a full Bechor. Of course, it's true. There is a Xeris There is a decree of the Torah that the firstborn son gets an extra portion of inheritance. And there are certain other halachas attached to being a Bechor. And of course, according to the letter of the law, this does not change depending on whether the Bechor is respectful of his father or not. But certainly the spirit of the law, certainly the, the full-fledged image of what a Bechor is supposed to be, is only if that firstborn son recognizes the importance of his father's fatherhood. And now we can understand what's going on with Ruvain. When Ruvain said to his father Yaakov, If I don't bring back Binyamin, you, Yaakov, can kill my two children. Yaakov's response was, You're offering that I should kill your two, ch- two children? You don't think they're my children also? As we mentioned before, I am like their father. Now, if you're just auctioning them off, so to speak, you're just using them as, as guarantors to some promise that you're making, that means that to you, being a father is not important. If you, Ruvain, do not understand the importance of being a father, then you are not a real Bukhar. And Yaakov, that's what Yaakov said to Ruvain. Bukhar shaita. You're a bogus Bukhar. You're like a hadas that doesn't have the properly tripled braided leaves. Yes, it, it, it belongs to the, to the species called hadas, but it's not really a hadas in halacha. And you, Ruvain, similarly, yes, you are technically the Bukhar. You are the one who was born first. We can't deny that biological and historical fact. But you're not a real Bukhar. A real Bukhar, who's really worthy of the name, has to show through his actions that being a father is something very important. By using your own children and my own children, my grandchildren, as bargaining chips, you're showing that being a father is not important. And that's exactly why I cannot accept this plan of yours. And you're a Bechor Shaita. So it comes out that Yaakov is not simply uh, hurling a personal insult at Ruvain. He's really explaining why he cannot accept Ruvain's proposal. Because Ruvain is proposing to, 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 to kill children who are Yaakov's own children. And thereby, Ruvain has, so to speak, 
uh, abdicated from his Bukhara. If we take all of this one step further, I think it can be said that Ruvain's two misdeeds are really of the same nature. They are really one and the same. When Ruvain moved Yaakov's bed from the tent of Bilha into the tent of Leah, what really was the the root nature of his misdeed is that he was failing to give the proper respect to his father. It is not the son's place to decide where the father should sleep. And when Ruvain said, that you, Yaakov, may kill my two sons if I don't bring Binyamin back to you, although Ruvain meant well, he intended to bring about that the the family should be should have food to eat and that Ruven should be and that Binyamin should be safe but he was failing to take into account the feelings of his father again he was not sufficiently respectful of his father and that could be what Yaakov is saying to him you're the same old Ruven just like some time ago you did not show me the proper respect when you moved my bed from one tent to another and you thereby lost some aspect of your Bechorah, and you are no longer a true Bechor, you're doing the same thing again. You're not showing the proper respect and the proper sensitivity to my feelings, to my position, and therefore, once again, you are showing yourself that you are not a true Bechor. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash